Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, welcome to the last Wednesday in July, almost August, and this is our last episode in our encounter series. We do it every summer, and I'm going to do it again next summer, I'm pretty sure about it, where I just want to sit down and ask people, man, tell me about how you encountered Jesus and how did that change your life? And so we've had amazing episodes in the month of June and July. So if you haven't listened to them, I encourage you to go back and find them. Well, today, my guest is just as amazing as all the ones that have come before her. My guest today is Sammy Scouton. And I met Sammy at my church. We go to the same church. She goes to a different campus. She goes to South Campus. I go to the downtown campus, so if you're ever in Austin, come visit us at the Austin Stone. Anyhow, we did an event together a couple of months ago where it was a creative gathering at our church where our creative team hosted creatives within our church in Austin, and we had a panel. And they kindly asked me to moderate the panel, and I said, yes, I love moderating panels, and Sammy was a guest on the panel, and so we met there. And Sammy is deaf, and when we were talking, I was like, man, she would be great for the end of our encounter series because what I learned a couple of years ago, I believe my friend Terry Lee Cobble told me this, I can't remember, is that the deaf population is one of the largest unreached people groups. And you know, we did an entire series in the spring on unreached people groups. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had. So go back and listen to those four-part series if you missed it. And I knew Sammy was going to be the perfect person to finish out our encounter series. So today I hear about her journey and how she encountered Jesus and I cried in this interview. In fact, everyone in this room cried. Myself, I don't know if Sammy cried because it's her story, but our friend who was interpreting for her cried. I cried. Lindsay in the production room cried. There were tears shed all around. Um, Sammy loves Jesus and has a passion for more people who um, communicate with ASL to also know and love Jesus. So you're going to love this conversation. I want to tell you that we just finished our July book club, and it was with our friend Russell Moore. Dr. Moore has been on the show plenty of times. Well, not a lot. I think that was his third time to be on, but that's a lot for a man because, you know, if you didn't know, fun fact, I just started interviewing men in 2020 on the podcast. Dr. Moore has a book that just came out yesterday. It's called Losing Our Religion, An Altar Call for Evangelical America. And I got the chance to read this book. In fact, everyone in our book club got the chance to read this book because it was our July book club uh, book of the month. And so the great thing is that every month we have a new book that we read. 
that has yet to be released. So you get to read a book early and then we have a conversation with the author and we had that conversation yesterday. For those of you in the book club, I hope you enjoyed it. It's always fun to have a conversation that you know, hey, we're not gonna put this anywhere. They don't have to be polished and professional. Let's just ask the hard questions. So that's what we do at our book club. If you're interested in joining us, I'd love to have you. It's $10 a month, get you a free book, an extra conversation, and it also gets you all of the shows without ads. I know, you get a copy of the show with no ads. It's on our Patreon page. So go to jamieivy.com slash Patreon and you can find us there. The link's in the show notes if you can't remember that, no problem. Oh, and Russell Moore is our guest next week on the happy hour. So if you're not in our book club and you missed the conversation, you do get to hear from him next week. Hey friends, before we jump into hearing today's encounter story, I wanted to take a moment to share the story of another life changed through the gospel by the intentional generosity of a listener just like you. I want to tell you the story of Gadley, who lives in Haiti. Growing up in an area where juvenile delinquency is rampant, Gadley still remembers how as a child he couldn't go outside to play. He had to stay in his small two-room house, which was barely covered to protect them from the sun, but unable to keep out the rain. The resources of his mother couldn't supply even the most necessary needs of both him and his older sister, as his father abandoned his mother when he was still a baby. In 2001, a neighbor referred him to the local Compassion Project, and Gadley joined the project at the age of three, shortly after the first project was founded. Immacula, his mother, rejoiced and felt relieved over the situation. His mother says she came from a very modest family, and the meal at Compassion Project is often her only meal in a day. Gadley grew up in a non-Christian family. Only his sister confessed Jesus. His mother was then Catholic, and his father is a voodoo priest. Gadley shared, It was by coming to the project that I learned to read the Bible. I memorized many verses, and I can say that I understand the principles set by God, and I apply them too. It is the project that put me on this path. Everything seemed to be quiet in Gadley's life until 2017. That year, he lost his older sister to a tragic death at the age of 43. Also, Immacula became ill and developed a lower limb disability that prevents her from walking. With no one else to help with the family expenses, Gadley began to realize he wasn't going to be able to pay the fees to get into university. But he remained dedicated to his studies and often went to the project library. However, in 2018, Gadley was one of 32 beneficiaries to be awarded a Compassion Scholarship to enter a private university. I've always been passionate about technology, mobile phones, and computers in the project, said Gadley. I will start to study computer engineering. It is a profession of complete evolution. I will be able to earn my living, fulfill my dreams, and also help my family and community. Friends, someone just like you supported Gadley in Haiti through Compassion International, and he's not only able to go to college, he's also able to help his family. You see, Compassion International is working to release children from poverty in Jesus' name through its one-on-one child sponsorships. When you sponsor a child like Gadley through Compassion, your $43 a month will provide food, clean water, education, medical and dental checkups, and above all else, just like Gadley said, the ability to learn about Jesus and flourish through the local church. Compassion doesn't just provide the needs of the child, it also cares for the whole family and their community. Our family has been sponsoring children through Compassion International for 15 years. In fact, we sponsor a child in Haiti. His name is Wansley. We've been sponsoring him for many, many, many years. There are more than 100,000 children awaiting sponsorship. Listeners of the Happy Hour, you right here have partnered with Compassion throughout the past few years. And you guys, we've sponsored more than 500 children. I am so very proud of us. We hope to add to this number through our Summer Encounter Series with the goal of 200 new child sponsorships. 
Will you pray about maybe becoming a child sponsor through Compassion International? To partner with Compassion and bringing hope to a child today, simply text IV Media, that's I V E Y Media, to 83393. You can text IV Media to 83393 or simply go to slash IV Media. The link's also in the show notes if you need to go there and find it. It's slash IV Media. Together, you and I can partner with the global church to give transformational hope to families around the world. Friends, this is one of my favorite conversations I've had in a long time with my friend Sammy. I know that you are going to love it as well. So I'll quit talking and I'll let Sammy tell us about her encounter with Jesus. Sammy, welcome to the happy hour. Hi. Hi. Sammy, I'm so happy that you're here um, at the office, and I want to start the show by inviting you to introduce yourself to my listeners. Like, what do you do? Where do you live? Tell me about your family, all of the fun things. Hello. My name is Sammy. I am a deaf person, and I use American Sign Language, and I'm speaking through an interpreter. I live here in Austin, Texas. I've been here since about 2016. And I work as a freelance graphic designer, motion design, filming, many different creative things. But right now, that is on hold because I am a mom of a one-year-old boy. He is a CODA, which means he's a child of a deaf adult. I saw your work for the first time a couple of weeks ago when we were together. And Aaron and I, my husband, as listeners know and you know, Sammy, we talked about you that night and we were like, that is amazing work. And so I didn't even ask you this that night, but do you think you'll go back to continuing to do that work? Uh, Donovan, Dakota, tell me your son's name again. Yes, Donovan. Donovan. I don't know. I really feel like over the past few months, God has been calling me to become a stay-at-home mom. That was kind of a hard decision for me because I do love being a creative. I love doing crafty things creating things. I also kind of feel like it's a bit hidden, like I find my worth in that, and that God has really been teaching me how to be a mom and to do things in a way to be able to worship Him and don't need to promote my work or earn money in another way. That was another thing, too, that was I had to sacrifice my job, or I felt like it was a sacrifice to get rid of my—take not have my job because I wouldn't be earning money anymore. So I'm I'm not saying I won't go back to it. I think I will at some point in the future. I think that what you're having to figure out is what every woman who is taking care of their own child, a niece, a, a grandchild, whatever it might be like of having to figure out where's my worth now that I'm either not in the workforce or now that I am at home with kids. It is a journey for all of us. I told you before we started recording that I have been wanting to have someone on the happy hour who is deaf for many, many years. In fact, Lindsay, who is a coworker of mine, we have talked about it countless times. And I told you this when I saw you the other night, that my number one reason that we haven't had someone on, honestly, and maybe a little embarrassingly, is I just didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know how would we have that conversation? What would that look like? And a couple of weeks ago, you and I were on a panel at our church about creative stuff. And I was interviewing you and you were showing all your amazing work. And I thought to myself, 
why am I interviewing her at my church and not on the happy hour? And so I immediately (laughs) told you afterwards, you have to come on the show. And so I want to just set the stage and say, I almost started crying before we started when we were praying because I I really am so excited about this opportunity to chat with you and have you share your story. Um, A, because you're amazing, but also on top of that, because we've been wanting to have someone on the happy hour for a long time who is deaf. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit of why that is so important. But first, this is the encounter series, and we're talking about people's encounters with Jesus. And so, Sammy, take us back. I don't even know this part of your story. When did you start following Jesus? Did you grow up with faith in your house? Are your parents believers? How did you meet Jesus? Okay, so let me give you a little bit of background. As a deaf person first, I was born hearing. I actually did not become deaf until I was three years old. My mom noticed that there was something a little off with my hearing. So she would do, you know, the pan test, beat a pan or slam a door and notice that I did not look. I'd just be staying playing with my dolls or whatever was going on. So then they found out that I did have a mild hearing loss at that time. So I could wear hearing aids, and I did at that time on both of my ears. And I was placed in a school where they taught sign language, but I didn't really use ASL at home. So we kind of went about things. And then when I was about 13, I noticed that my hearing had gone down even more, had decreased. So then I went and got a cochlear implant. It was, you know, a surgical procedure that connects your nerve to your brain. That's in your brain. So it's kind of like a highway. It refigures it for you because my nerves weren't working anymore in my ear. So at first I tried it, and it was just a much different sound than my hearing aid. I could detect a different sound, but I did not like it. It was a little bit misleading as well because I felt like I had access to something, you know, like maybe there's a video that you can see a video that shows the procedure and what the surgery is like, and you'll see people get a uh, the process and the procedure done, but it's like, oh, now someone plays the piano. And before I couldn't hear it. And now I hear the piano. Oh, and I understand and know the sound. And I love music. So with my hearing aid, I can listen to music. But with my cochlear implant, it was definitely not the same sound. It was so different. So I really struggled with that for the first two years. I didn't want it. I would take it off and I would just depend on my hearing aid at that time. And then when I turned 15, I had a really bad headache one evening, and I had been involved in a dance competition. There was a lot of movement, and so it was a little bit strange with my headache. But I went to bed. I woke up the next day, and my hearing was completely gone. I could hear nothing anymore. My hearing aid didn't work. There was nothing left of my hearing. So I had to completely rely on my cochlear implant at that time. And I also had to rely heavily on interpreters. So my teacher noticed and said, Sammy, you used to be so active and involved in class, and now you're not participating in class any longer. What's wrong with you? And so that was a tough feeling as well because my life, something changed. I had been used to doing things one way, and now I didn't really know what to do. Okay, that's one thing. Now, the second journey, my family, my dad believes in the Bible, and sometimes, you know, there might be some, like the Ten Commandments, don't steal, honor your father and mother, you know, those kind of things, real surfacey. My mom didn't go to church. I didn't go to church with her growing up, maybe one or two times for a family event or something like that. But my mom doesn't really know Jesus God, maybe on the surface. So then when I lost my hearing, I really struggled with that change in my life. 
And I was trying to figure out, I'm used to relying on my hearing aids and I can't anymore. How am I going to function? How am I going to be involved with things? How am I going to have access? And it was just a really tough time. Okay, now the third part, <laughs> my parents were divorced during that time when I had gotten the cochlear implant. And my mom had started dating a man who, you know, was kind of a father replacement. And he was not a very kind person. And he, there it was, it was definitely a domestic violence relationship between my mom and he. And so there's a lot of verbal, emotional, mm -hmm. and physical abuse, um, not only to my mom, but also to me and my brother as well. And so we were stuck in that for about three years and, you know, allowing him to say all of these negative things, so many things, especially about me as a deaf person. Mm. And so before my mom, she was, you know, I was going to be a cheerleader. She encouraged me to do everything. She, you know, I can do whatever I wanted to do. And, you know, she would just be a huge encouragement to me. And then he really influenced her to think, oh, no, my child is disabled. Oh, she's deaf. Oh, she can't get a job. She's never going to be able to go to college. All of those things. And so then that influenced me. And that's when I started to become depressed. I became suicidal, had a lot of suicidal thoughts. And I thought to the point, is, is it worth living? So, okay, all those things were going on at the same time. There was a lot of layers, right? So that was from between 13 to 15 years old. Okay, I have a lot of questions and thoughts and ideas. First of all, I'm sorry for everything that you went through. That sounds very, very traumatic. It sounds like trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. And so I am really, really, really sorry about that. So I really am looking forward to when you meet Jesus in this part of your story, the next part of the story, because I think it's going to be good, good, good. Um, but as you're growing up, I think I know this, but I don't know if you've said this out loud to the listener yet, is that you were the only deaf person in your family. Your brother is hearing Yes, that's right. And so you were the only deaf person growing up, and you went to a school that was it specifically for deaf children, or did you have an interpreter at your school? Yes, I went to a public school that had a mainstream program. So that means it's a program for deaf students. So I went to school with mm, maybe about five to 10 other deaf students. And they had hearing aids, cochlear implants. We had interpreters for the different classes. Sometimes, you know, we'd be fortunate to be able to, to join the deaf class. Like maybe for English, we could join and pull us out um, so they would have more emphasis on their English for the deaf students. Now, one of the things I want to ask before I get to hearing about your relationship with Jesus, because I would have to imagine that your mom's new relationship with a man who was violent in a lot of ways with his words, with his actions, emotionally abusive, all the things. Putting on top of that, that you were the only child in your family that was deaf. You said you had suicide ideation, depression. Um, was your mom aware of this and how did she love you through this? Or was she so consumed with a new relationship? Uh, that might be a question to ask after we tell my story about Jesus, because um, to this day, my mom has not continued. She does not believe in Jesus. And so that is one area where we struggle and we talk about it. And, you know, look at me. I'm a very open person. I'm willing to talk about things and I want to talk about it. And I want, uh, you know, my testimony to be shared, but my mom will not talk about it. She feels ashamed. She feels hurt. 
you know, not only because of what she herself went through, but she also knew the result of what happened to me. Yeah. And so she could see, you know, the fighting that happened. Mm. Well, I wasn't trying to be intrusive at all. Please don't hear that. And I, I know that. Oh, but no, no. I was wondering, I was going to ask you if any of your parents follow Jesus now, but we're going to get to that. So I want to know, you told me about that you were not born deaf. You told me about what happened when you were three, what happened when you were 15, all those things. So what what path took you towards following Jesus? Okay. That's the exciting part. So I do remember clearly being in the shower. I know it's TMI, but anyway, I was in I the shower. It. God th- talks to us wherever we are. <laughs> yes, that is right. It feels like, you know, that's where most of our conversations <laughs> happen, in the shower. So I felt like I was ready. <clears throat> I was thinking about how I wanted to end my life. Mm. And... I just was in a really dark place, and I felt a nudge saying, just hold, just wait, maybe till next week or something. Or, you know, when the feeling hits again, then I'll just go ahead and end my life. And literally the next day, I was sitting in class with the interpreter. She's been my, she had been my interpreter for many years because typically in a small town where you have an interpreter, you know, you have the same one from elementary school, middle school, high school, all along. So she was comfortable enough to ask me, have you been to church before? And I said, oh, yeah, I I went one time with a deaf friend. She went to a deaf church and I went along with her, but it it was all right. But it was kind of strange. And I just felt, I don't know, like it was real foreign. So I, I wasn't sure. I didn't really understand what was going on. So she said, okay, well, would you like to come to my church? I interpret, I'll interpret for you. It's a nice church in downtown Richmond. And so I said, okay, sure. Um, so I felt like, oh, I can meet more people who love Jesus. And they all seem so happy. How old were you now? I know you're in high school, I think. I was 15 at that time. Okay. <laughs> 15, 16. I noticed, you know, that people seemed really happy and I wanted that. So I thought, okay, why not? I'll go ahead and try it. At that time, it was nice. I could have my own car so I could drive to church as well and meet her there. And it was so cute. I remember she was, you know, picking, talking different things about the church. And remember, I'd never been to church before one or two times, maybe, you know, for a funeral or a Christmas event, or I don't really know how church runs or operates. So she was showing me the screen with the words. And she said, you know, it's like karaoke, but without, you know, the bouncing ball on the words. (laughs) So I said, oh, okay. (laughs) And so she interpreted for me, and that was really nice. And I actually did enjoy it. So I started to go weekly. And I think after going maybe for about a month or so, I clearly remember one sermon and the pastor was talking about how God is our heavenly father and he is your father and you can have a relationship with him. And that really touched me because my earthly father, Mm -hmm. the relationship with him was pretty lousy. And then that other guy who tried to fill in was pretty lousy as well. So I didn't have a healthy view of what father meant. So he explained, the pastor explained, your heavenly father is, he's a perfect father. He created you in your mother's womb. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And that hit me because I had been struggling. I'm like, I'm a deaf person. Who needs me? I'm not valued. I don't need to be in this world. I can't make any sort of impact with my life. And so seeing that and hearing that story just changed my life. So that was when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And he really showed me daily how he can use me. 
you know, I hear stories like this, and we've had this whole series this summer about people having encounters with Jesus. And I am surprised, but not surprised, every single time that someone shares their story, usually most of them, there's one person who invited them to church, who spoke into their life, who saw something different in them. And it always makes me emotional because I think I want to be that person for people in the world. Yes. And you do have to understand also that for that interpreter to be willing to ask me to go to church, she was in a public school. And looking back, I think, wow, she really took a risk by doing that. If other people found out that she had done that, she took off her role basically as an interpreter to do that. But, you know, that was the Holy Spirit. God was involved in that whole conversation. Did your interpreter know about your depression, about your suicide ideation, about what you were going through at home? I think she had seen it. I don't think I was able to share a lot of that, but I think she saw me every day. So she could see that the light that I used to have was Mm -hmm. dimming. And so I wasn't being involved with class. I wasn't participating in conversations. I think that she could see it pretty clearly. I think about that teacher or that person, whoever like takes that step off of their role to step in. And I've heard people say with teachers, and they really do have to kind of step out of that role to take a risk to talk about Jesus with their students. But it makes me think that all of us who are listening, who are followers of Jesus, like those little conversations, you might never know what they lead to, and they can really, really change people's lives. Do you have communication with that teacher today? Oh, yeah. I do. I have continued to stay in touch with her. A few years later, I was baptized and I invited her into the water with me. It was in a lake. And so she came into the water with me and interpreted for me, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And of course I said yes, and then was baptized. It was really awesome. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. 
I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Now, as everyone's driving or doing dishes or rocking your baby, you can get your tissue and wipe all the tears off your eyes because we're all crying, Sammy. <laughs> um, I love that story, but I want to go back and I want to hear, I know that what you said, you know, Jesus changed your life after a couple of months and going to that church and you were baptized a couple of years later, but there was some real pain in your life. And and I'm assuming that you still lived in the same house with your mom and your stepdad and your situation didn't necessarily change, even though Jesus had changed. What did the rest of your high school career look like after this moment, that you, this encounter that you had with Jesus? There was a lot of family drama that occurred here and there. One thing that I did just remember that came to mind before I was saved, um, we had gone to family court, um, and I do remember asking my mom, we need an interpreter to go to family court. But because she was still kind of, she wasn't sure about him and she didn't go ahead and request an interpreter. So during the court, the lawyer was asking all kinds of questions and I couldn't understand what was going on. There were a lot of trick questions being asked and it resulted in, oh, she's not a reliable witness to be able to speak into this about what's really going on. So we lost the case and it was just really ugly. It was very bad. I remember looking back now thinking, oh, that was just pointless. But I think, no, if I, I, I didn't have the access and I didn't realize at that time that that was what I really did need. Mm. So I did go and live with my dad for a while. And then my mom finally left, left him for good. And at that time was when I was ready to go to college. And so I was ready to go to college out of state. I was done. I was finished living in that area. I wanted to go somewhere different. Thankfully, I was able to go to a college where there were so many deaf students. It was Rochester Institute of Technology, RIT. And so that just gave me that boost of confidence that I needed as a deaf person. I had the accessibility. I had rights. And, you know, what are the tools I learned to use? And to be able to now I could socialize with other deaf people and Christians and non-believers and be around all these people. It was so amazing. You know, it makes me so grateful that you were able to get out of that situation. And I feel real sorrowful that you didn't have what you needed in your home to be able to communicate. Um, did your 
and forgive me if I'm asking two personal questions, but I think these are the questions that the listeners might be wondering. Did your parents learn ASL? No. It's funny. Uh, you know, maybe now I'm going so far out in the future, but I did go to my brother's wedding recently. Last year, my brother got married, and um, we went to a park nearby, near near the venue, and I was there with my dad. My husband and my baby were there. We were walking around, and we ran into a guy who had two children, and I said, excuse me, sorry, you know, he was saying something. My dad was saying, oh, they can't hear you. They're deaf, and the guy started signing. Oh, you're deaf, and we thought, what? Yeah, are you deaf? No, I'm hearing, but my two kids are deaf and they have cochlear implants. And so we got to talk with the guy and I told him, I'm just, thank you so much for learning sign language because for that, you're going to be able to have a deeper relationship with your children. And I realized then that my dad was right there when I said it. And I was like, oh, I think my dad was a little bit offended. Well, you know, a sixth grade education, it's all I have. And looking back, I'm like, okay, it was a good point that it's so much easier now to learn ASL. You know, there are YouTube videos that you can learn. You can see deaf actors on TV and in the movies. And it's just much more exposure these days compared to what there was in the mm. 90s and the 80s when there really wasn't a way. Uh, you know, the only way you can get information about a deaf person was through the doctor. And the doctors then called us hearing impaired. You know, hearing impaired is a very negative term. It means there's something wrong with us. Mm. You need to fix it. You need a hearing aid. And so a lot of doctors would tell parents, do not let your children learn how to sign because it's mm. going to prevent them from learning how to speak or how to use their hearing aid. So my mom and dad, you know, they were affected by that. They were, they listened to the doctors. The doctor said, I, this is what they said. And so we have to trust them. So looking back, you know, I realized there were a lot of tools now, so much more availability, more doctors, more resources, more people are realizing that ASL is important. There are other resources. There's captioning and hearing aids, uh, implants, you know, all these different tools available now. You know, as you're talking, it makes me think all parents, whether you're talking about deaf or hearing, like we're just all trying to do the best that we can, right? Like we, 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 know, be- we, we know better than we do better and we're just learning. And I remember that you had sent over some information to us and I didn't realize how much communication was done towards parents. Like you were just talking about, about don't let your kids learn ASL, like make them read lips or help them speak. And I think I read that Alexander Graham Bell was actually married to a woman who was deaf and was adamant against kids learning ASL, which kind of feels crazy if you think about it. Um, But I'm wondering, you spoke to it just a little bit, but I would love to hear from you in 2023 versus, I have no idea how old you are, you're a lot younger than me, but versus, you know, the 90s and 2000s, uh, 70s, 80s, all these things. We have come a long way with is the correct word accommodations is that would that be a correct word or yeah okay so oh yeah talk to me about some of those accommodations and then you mentioned something that I also want you to speak to us about about um hearing impaired and so let's talk about the accommodations and then why hearing impaired is so offensive Okay. Yeah, there have definitely been a lot of changes since the 80s and 90s. Uh, The accessibility law, the ADA, uh, Americans with Disability, Mm -hmm. was passed in the 80s. 
So I think after that uh, was kind of where people started to recognize TV has captioning. They started adding things like that. Events, they would add an ASL interpreter. Um, people could request an interpreter. It could be denied, maybe, you know, or you could sue them if they don't do their, <laughs> don't get an interpreter, which is kind of nice. With that, you know, I think also many deaf children born after that, before that, were sent to deaf schools. Mm -hmm. They were much more isolated, and now more children are mainstream. They're in public schools. They're, they're more visible now than they used to be. And so before, ASL was considered a foreign language, and you could learn that to, you know, get your high school degree with it. It was not before, but it is now available that you can learn it in high school. It is considered a foreign language that you can use to, as part of your graduate for high school degree. You know, there's TV shows and you can see more sign language. Social media has really made a huge impact as well in learning to sign. You know, you can see people's real life. I'm a deaf mom with two hearing kids or I'm a hearing mom with deaf kids. So you can see how I'm navigating my life through all of this. Join me. Give me feedback. You know, do research how I can grow, how I can do better. So I think people are really interested in that kind of thing. And, you know, somebody, their life is different. So people are curious and interested in that kind of thing. It's so much better now. I always tell people that I am so grateful to live here in America because in other countries, there is little to no, mm. they're, they're just, you know, so far behind. So, like, for now, there's so many deaf people who are still complaining that it's not enough. Mm. We need more accessibility. But I'm also reminded that, thank God, we do live mm. here rather than another country where they don't have language. So I am super grateful for that. You know, speaking of other countries, I told you this when we were at that event a couple of weeks ago that we did a whole series on the happy hour about unreached people groups. Uh, it came out March, I believe it was. We did four episodes really just educating about unreached people groups, what that means, what we can do, all the things. And I've heard this statistic before, but I would love to hear it from you, is that of the number that you're going to tell us, only 2% of this deaf community are Christians. So tell, talk about why is the deaf community considered unreached people group? Okay, so that statistic out of... 8 billion people in the world, I think. There are 70 million people that are deaf. But you do need to understand that that number statistically is very loose. Mm -hmm. It's an estimate, right? Also, there are many different kinds of deaf people, right? Mm. You could have a deaf person who was born deaf, or you could have someone who became deaf much later in life, or someone who is deaf, you know, just became deaf when they were old and they just need mm -hmm. hearing aids or something like that. So, you know, there's a certain group of people that identify themselves as deaf with a big D, a capital D, capital D deaf. And that means someone who is deaf and knows ASL and they're involved in the deaf community and they use interpreters and that's deaf culture. Then you also have lowercase d for deaf, and that's someone who has a hearing loss, or maybe they might wear a hearing aid, they might not. Maybe they're from another country, they don't have a language, they could would be considered deaf with a lowercase d. So people don't realize that there also are, that there is an unreached people group. The deaf people mm -hmm. are an unreached people group. Maybe the best way to envision it would be, there are like people in Africa, you know, they have different tribes. Mm -hmm. And each tribe has their own customs, their own language, mm -hmm. their own traditions. And so, but there's a small number of people in that tribe and maybe they're deaf and they don't have any sign language mm -hmm. within that tribe in that group. So the deaf people, maybe they would gesture or maybe they would have some home signs. 
we realize that a language to a baby, if you take it away, that's called language deprivation if you don't provide language. They cannot develop social skills. Uh, they can't develop brain skills that they need, or they can't fix pick up normal things for functioning. So language is really the key. So for a deaf person who is in a specific tribe or in a rural area or in Africa and they don't have access mm. to language, how are they going to understand about Jesus yeah. if they don't even have language? So people don't realize that, that they are an unreached people group all over the world, especially in rural areas. So what I explained was just kind of more general for the entire world. But so those statistics, you know, 2%, that also applies to America as well. Um, so you have in the reason, the reasons you have it in, all over the world are kind of different than the reasons you have it in America. In America, maybe most of them know maybe who Jesus is, but they don't understand who Jesus is for many different reasons. Um, you know, I've, a lot of people I've talked to, maybe they grew up going to church, but they didn't understand the value of having access in the church. And I think a lot of people think, oh, the Holy Spirit can interpret for them. And most of the time they're just <laughs> sitting there and they do not understand. Here's a preacher talking, especially in, you know, Catholic where you sit and stand. Why am I doing this? Why am I eating this? What does the communion mean? This is all the same thing, but I don't understand it. What is the point? So many parents force their kids to go to church and expect them to understand, but that does not work. <clears throat> also, expect them to understand how. Yeah, oh. <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was, it sounded like, are they expecting them to read lips? Are they expecting them to like, maybe the Holy Spirit to put it in them? Right. I don't know. Yeah, That's that. the problem. Exactly. Huh? Yes. Another huge problem of people that I've talked to is, you know, they sometimes feel like the church feels like it's, they're trying to heal them. Mm. Jesus will heal the deaf person. So, you know, they did that. That happened in the Bible. So churches often tell people, I've, you know, I know many people have experienced that. And then it's like, I'm still deaf. And so, <laughs> so the deaf community here in America you know, we kind of come with that. That's pride. We're pride. We're proud to be deaf. And so, you know, when you do that to try and heal someone, that insults them and it's mm. insulting to their pride. Yeah, yeah, very insulting. Okay. Also, ASL is our heart language. English is not. So when you read the Bible, you know, of course, it's normal for everybody to you know, but not deaf people. Everybody is kind of hard to understand, but especially for deaf people sometimes to understand. There's all these different words, and it is easier when they see it in ASL. So people will, we have a Bible, and they're going to sign the scripture, and you we call it ASLV. ASLV, it's so cool. And there is a deaf Bible app. You can go in, and you can watch the Bible. It's kind of strange that you think you know, we have always had a full Bible forever. You've probably thought, no, we did not have a completed Bible for deaf people until 2020. Wow. It took over 40 years to develop the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation for deaf people. You know, I have heard this statistic that you're talking about, especially here in America, and I want to admit my ignorance on something publicly in front of you and Shelley and the whole world that's listening is that I think hearing people can be, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Like 
it would have never occurred to me until five years ago when I heard my friend Tara Lee Cobble, which I know that that you also like Tara Lee. Yeah. She's the first person who told me these statistics. And my in my ignorance, I thought, well, I don't understand why English is your second language. And I feel embarrassed saying that out loud. But I think that would be a lot of people's question. So with me not offending you, because it sounds like such a simple question that I should understand, but I feel like a lot of hearing people don't understand that. And I even feel dumb when I say it out loud because I'm like, of course, it's your second language. (laughs) But I would have I'm embarrassed to say that I would have never thought this. And I feel so happy that you have this complete Bible. And also, like, what the actual heck? Why was it until 2020 that this was available? And so I don't know if I have a question there, except for maybe you can just educate me a little bit more. And hopefully the listeners don't think bad about me either. They're thinking, oh, I was thinking that too, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. It is a very brave question. And I think a lot of people don't realize that using English is sound-based. Mm-hmm. You know, you can write, but you you tend to go back, and sometimes you'll speak, say something out loud when you write it because right. that's how you can make sure it's written properly. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, right. like, well, I'll read my words to make sure the grammar's right. Like, read it out loud. That's what they tell me. When you're writing a book, read the whole thing out loud, and you'll catch mistakes. Yes. So, okay, it's coming together, Sammy. Yes, yes. (laughs) So I always struggle with, like, where to put the S. Is it she walks in the stores? Where do I put that S? Where does that go? So Mm. I can't tell the difference because I don't hear the difference. Mm. I went to speech therapy to help me say the S in the CH sounds, but I can't catch it and hear it. So it's the same with ing and ed, you know, different endings of words, you know, past, present, future. Many deaf people that I know are really skilled at English because they studied it. They memorized it. They trained themselves. They worked hard. You have to work harder to make sure you understand that English grammar. Mm. So I'm going to ask another dumb question, but... I told you yeah, before you came it. here, Sammy, that I was going to ask you everything and you can publicly correct me. Just don't humiliate me. But <laughs> I know that you wouldn't. So for you in a uh, school that you went to that you said you were in a mainstream school and you had an interpreter, was that something in the era that you grew up? Was it something that they wanted to not force is not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like, were they? was it important for them that you learn how to read and write English or did they allow ASL to be your first language? Does that make sense what I'm asking? I think I understand what you mean there. How it how English is important that you can't graduate, right, if you don't understand English. And that is important. But um, not recognizing ASL as a language necessarily. But like deaf schools here in Texas, you still have to take all the tests, you know, statewide tests, and you still have to pass your grade for English and reading and writing. So there's still the emphasis there. But I remember in my, my senior year of high school in English class, and we all would be writing an essay, and they would do peer reviews, you know, mm-hmm. and you'd trade out your papers with the other students, and I would trade them out, exchange. And I remember another student who got my paper, he actually went up to the teacher and said, I don't understand this. And the teacher said, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. I'll take care of it. Just pick another student. And I saw that exchange, mm-hmm. and I was so embarrassed because now the class knows that I am not very good at English. 
That makes sense. Oh, also, let me emphasize one more thing. So the difference between English and ASL, let me tell you about that. ASL has its own grammar structure. So the best way to say it, it's kind of more like Spanish. So like Spanish, you have your noun and then your adjective uh-huh. after that, right? So it's kind of that same idea. Like house is beautiful or pretty, or you don't say it's a pretty house because in ASL, that would be a little bit confusing and it doesn't make as much sense. You switch it. You say your noun first and then you describe what's happening. So, you know, we don't say certain small, you know, certain certain words, you don't say the ing, um, like I am going, I don't say I'm going somewhere. You don't say that. You throw, some of that is not part of ASL. It's, um, the grammar is different. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. This is so informative. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay, so I want to thank you for talking about the unreached people groups. I want to take a second here to ask you, what does that mean for us in America who are following Jesus and we want to reach people in our community who are deaf? Uh, we all live in Austin. And from what I understand, there's a high deaf community here in Austin. And I know that our yes. church does um, ministry towards um, deaf community, and I just mean offering ASL at our one of our campuses. Um, what is your encouragement towards the people who are listening, who are hearing? And you're telling us that there is an unreached people group in our midst who do not have access to Jesus and the gospel because there's a language barrier. How can you encourage us? Okay. Well, I do know there are many people that I've met who they say, oh, yes, I have a deaf neighbor or I work at HEB and there's a deaf person that works out at the checkout line or my coworker is hard of hearing. So there are a lot of people, you know, they say they're just normal people, but they forget that they probably don't know Jesus or maybe they don't understand who Jesus is. And so I would love to encourage all of you out there. Go ahead. Go up and meet them and get to know them. I know it can be really scary to meet us the first time, but we don't bite. (laughs) You know, in the language thing, sometimes you're like, how are they going to understand me? How are we going to communicate? They could write back and forth. Use a pen and paper. Use your phone and text back and Mm. forth to have a conversation. Go on YouTube and learn some basic gestures. Really, I always say just start with the ABCs. And you could just fingerspell everything to start with. And then people could give you the sign. Like if you say D-O-G, oh, here's the sign for dog. Great. Thank you. My dog ran in your yard or whatever it is that would happen. And so I think many of us deaf people are very open 
So, and want to have relationships with people. I wouldn't say, you know, maybe, maybe not when you're doing business at HEB necessarily, but, you know, in a casual setting, you know, if you see a deaf person, go ahead and go up and try and meet them. You know, speaking of those things, as an adoptive mom, there are some terms or phrases that could bother me a little bit. Or now that I have children of color, I know maybe you should say it differently or say it this way. And the only reason that I have learned those, well, not the only reason, but the main reason I've learned those is because of proximity. I have children through adoption and I have children through who are black. And so it's been a helpful thing for me in my life to learn those things. But not having a child who is deaf, I want to ask you to school us all. What are the things to say, not to say? We talked about hearing impaired, those types of things. So give us a little education here, Sammy. More education you've already given us because I feel like I went to school today, just so you know. Like I am coming away here a better person. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) Okay, yes. So, yep. That word, hearing impaired, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, hearing impaired, it means something is wrong with you. And so it tends to be a commonly used words for doctors. Like imagine you're a parent and you find out that your child is deaf and they say, oh, I'm so sorry. Your child is hearing impaired. There's Mm. something wrong with them. It needs to be fixed. Oh, it's such a negative feeling. And it, no, I believe that God created them to be deaf on purpose. Mm -hmm. He sees beauty in that. And so people who are not believers can see beauty in being deaf and being part of a rich culture and part of a rich community. And we have our own deaf jokes and we have our own deaf slang and we have our own language and that kind of thing. Let's see, what else? I think many people assume that deaf people read lips. Okay, it's actually funny. You know, there's some old TV show called FBI, and it's about a woman who was a, like, she would re- look at security cameras and she would read lips and bust them, and like, oh, they're having drugs happening in this location. And I mean, it was cool, but no, most of us cannot read lips. So I think that's a little bit insulting when mm-hmm. people try and speak really loud and say, can you read my lips? So those are two that I can think of. Very insulting, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was telling you earlier about my good friend from high school. We've been friends forever. And um, her daughter is um, nonverbal. She is hearing, but she uses a lot of signs. And I was always so impressed with my friend Amy as they were growing, as her daughter was growing up, because she didn't use ASL. She just made stuff up all the time. But she stepped in and made a way for her to communicate with her daughter when there wasn't a I guess, typical way for them to communicate. And I was always so impressed and always so proud of the way that she loved her daughter in that way. And so I can imagine how much it would make, how you would feel loved by someone learning sign language to be able to communicate with you as well. And so that is just a little side note, but it brings me to church. And I don't even know how you ended up in Austin, But what I do know is that you serve at our church um, in a beautiful way. I took a video of you at the uh, 
gathering, you may not even know it, of you signing worship. And I was like, it was just the most beautiful thing because it almost, for me as a hearing person, it's me watching someone worship in their own native tongue, which is it's the same way I feel when I go to Kenya and you're hearing people sing songs about Jesus in their own language and you just feel like this is what heaven's going to be like. Everyone is in their own language. And so that is yes. what I felt um, then. But I want to hear... You came to Austin, why? How did you get involved in our church, the Austin Stone, and how did you meet your husband? Three questions. Okay, simple. God told me. (laughs) (laughs) He told you to move to Austin? Or he told you to marry your husband? Or all the above? (laughs) Oh, yeah, all of them, actually. (laughs) Okay, so really, it's kind of weird. I was in Rochester, New York, and I did stray, you know, I drifted from God for a while. I went through some hurt at the ch- at a church, you know, from p- deaf people, especially when there is not interpreter access. It just can, it, you have to work so hard to try and get access. And I was just worn out of that. And believers had hurt me as well before. So I'm like, you know, there's deaf people who are not believers who accept me more than mm. Christians. And so I just kind of strayed and... There was some pain that came back from when I was 15. My anxiety, my depression came back. And I just remember uh, I was texting my boyfriend at the time and I was living with him. And he went on a skiing trip without me, of course, because I had to work. And I remember he left and I fell on the floor sobbing, Jesus, please, I cannot do this anymore. I have tried it my way and I have Mm -hmm. failed. And God showed up and he showed me clearly who he was. And the whole time I was thinking, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to do it the religious way, the church way. But then I saw it needs to be done as a relationship. He's my father. He's my friend and have a relationship with him. And I became so so addicted to the Bible and reading and learning, and I wanted to be around believers, and I wanted to be to three Bible studies every week, and you know, I wanted to be feel so much closer to Him. And I, I think it's easier to be guided than by the Holy Spirit because you can feel He's telling you certain things. And I really felt like He was encouraging me to move to Austin. And I'm like, well, oh, okay. What about work? But okay. So I was telling people, I'm going to move to Austin. And they said, oh, good luck. There are no deaf Christians there. It is a hard, unreached people group there for sure. There are strayed people. They're so liberal, progressive, even though it's Texas, the deaf community there is still a very dark place. So I'm like, all right, challenge accepted. I'm on it. (laughs) So I went. So, and I went, and one of the things that I remember is, no, they were wrong. There are many Christians, but, you know, most of the places, there just might be one or two churches that have an ASL interpreter or maybe a deaf church and a deaf service. But here in Austin, there were many options that I could pick from. So I thought, awesome, I'm going to try this church. I'm going to church hop and see what happens and see which one I want to go to, meet all kinds of people. So it was really kind of cool. But Nick, looking back, I realized it was also a little bit hard as well because Church can be great, but there's just, there are definitely not enough interpreters. So, you know, there are deaf churches that, and some that have ASL access, but there's just not always skilled interpreters always. So it's a, it's a positive and a negative, both. So I started going to the Austin Stone, and I met many people there, and I just felt like I could really connect with those people and grow with them. And I was going for about two years, and my husband moved to Austin from a very small Texas town, 
And I remember, you remember I talked about mainstream. And so there's, you know, I was mainstream with about 10 other deaf students. My husband was the only deaf student Mm. from elementary all the way through high school. His exposure to deaf, the deaf community, was when he went to summer camp that was hosted by TSD uh, for a STEM camp. That was his exposure. And then he met a couple from that camp, and they go to our church. And so it literally was like they played matchmaker for the two of us. (laughs) And so I have heard, I had heard about him and I was kind of cranky because it was the first time in my life I was enjoying being single. And, you know, they're like, no, it's, Paul said it's better to be single. You know, I'm going to share my burdens with God. And so I was proud to be single and that's what I was ready for. And then this guy shows up and he's going to destroy my relationship with Jesus. (laughs) But I do remember at church, looking back, I saw him. He has red hair. You can't miss him. (laughs) And I felt, oh, God was telling me, that is your husband. I'm like, what? Him? All right. So I met him. I wasn't impressed. Remember, he was the only deaf person in his school. So his signing was a little outdated. Uh, Some of his signs he used like in the 80s. I'm like, nobody signs that anymore. We don't use that. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, it took a while. I think maybe three or four months later, I realized, oh, okay, he really is my husband. We talked about raising kids together, getting married and everything and all of that before we were married and before we dated, I mean. And so I thought, you know, we figure let's just date. So we dated for about six months and we got engaged. And then we got married, and then we've been married four years. And he is very involved in church as well. We are both deacons for the Austin Stone, um, and we are two of four deaf deacons, which is just phenomenal because you don't see a lot of deaf leadership in church very often. Now, I don't think that you answered this, and I think people will just oh be wondering, it, or maybe you did say this and I just forgot, your son is hearing. Yes, yes. So our son passed the hearing test, which is funny because they told me he passed the hearing test. And I said, oh, okay, so he's my coda. And they said, have you seen the movie? (laughs) Yes, we've already seen the movie. (laughs) Did you like the movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. I loved the movie. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Uh, You know, I think that movie did a pretty great job of showing deaf culture, deaf community, you know, other movies sometimes kind of exaggerate yeah. things or maybe not quite enough information, you know, kind of just average. But I think that it's matched pretty well from okay, that movie. That's good to hear because sometimes if a movie's not about your situation, you think it did a great job. But then you meet someone that is in that world and they can sometimes say, yeah, that's not actually how it is. And so it's good to hear from you because I loved that movie. I bawled my eyes out in that movie, and I was so happy when that movie won. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. There was another movie that was also really good, The Sound of Metal. Oh, so good. Yes. Yes, that one actually was a perfect way for me to be able to explain to other people why I struggle with my hearing aid to cochlear implant, because the sound is so different. He was the same way in that movie. This isn't working. What's wrong? I need to go back. He wanted to go back and play music again, and he really struggled. That is a perfect example. Remind me in that movie, was he born deaf or... No, 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 no. He was a drummer. Okay, yes. And then... 
he suddenly lost his hearing when he was on stage. Funny, when that actually happened to me too, I lost my hearing overnight. It was the same thing, just kind of suddenly. So I felt a, it was a similarity yeah. between the two of us. That I do remember that movie and it was really, I think it was up for awards as well. Like, and that, Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm not know. sure. It was not as big as Coda. No, it wasn't. But my son is really into movies. And so he tells me all the movies. And I remember he liked that one. Oh, good. Yeah, I did set up a, a IMDb, Internet Movie Database, set up a list of recommended deaf films. So people are always asking me, what movies would you recommend? So I set up a list. I'll share it with you. And we'll share it with you as you're listening. We will give it to you. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> Sammy, I'm so grateful to hear your story um, of following Jesus. I'm so grateful for your interpreter when you were in high school who really saw you in the midst of your darkest moments and invited you into a place of healing by introducing you to not just a church, but letting you see Jesus there. And I'm really grateful that the moment you had in the shower, that that moment that you heard a voice saying, hey, not today, not tomorrow. And I just am emotional to think that God, he literally saved your life and your soul. And um, we're better for it today because of it. I could not finish this interview without asking you, what are you loving and what are you reading these days? What I am reading right now is a book called Open Hands, Willing Heart by Vivian Mubani. Okay. Vivian Mubani. She's a friend Duh. of, she's, you're so close. There's, there's no way you would have known that just by the letters. Vivian Mabuni, she is a friend of mine and I can't wait to tell her that you're reading this book. I adore her. Oh, that is so funny because I actually did, did meet her, not in person, but I was involved in an organization or I'm involved in an organization called Deaf Millennial Project. And we did an interview with her and she came uh, virtually. We did the interview. And so I had to read her book quickly, very quickly. So I skimmed it and then interviewed her. And so I just kind of left it on my shelf. And now after I went you know, this time of going through that life of I'm not working anymore and I need to be a mom and I've kind of been struggling with letting go and I've got some anxiety with that. And then I saw her book on my shelf and I'm like, oh, I need to read that. So now it has really impacted me by reading. I'm almost finished. So looking back, I remember meeting her and then now I have a better understanding of the book because before I didn't really get it, but now it really applies to my life circumstances and it makes a lot more sense. It's so good. So good. Okay, what are you what are you loving? Okay, that's funny. Um, I have an espresso machine that I got for Christmas. It saves me a lot of money on coffee because, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom and I don't have an income, so we just are <laughs> one income family. So I love to experiment with different things. I love fruit flavored coffee. So I went to HEB last week and I saw that they had flavored milk that was peach flavored milk from like 1837 farm or something like that you know they they don't sell it all the time so i bought three bottles of it and i made it so it's like peach cobbler flavor Ooh. coffee and it is so good i love it i know i'm weird so good do, do you like uh tea like iced tea uh, okay yeah. so you're okay about it I'm more of a coffee person. Okay, well, I was going to say there's a new store that just opened. You might have passed it on your way here called HTO, but it's H and then T-E-A and then O. Like, 
like, you know, H2O, but it's H-T-O. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of cheesy, but it's called H-T-O and they have, I think like 50 flavors of iced tea. One of my kids just started working there and like you just go in. I went there today oh, and got tea so and I got wild blueberry, mixed it with mint. It was like, it felt like a hundred ounces. It was ginormous. And it was so good. So if you like tea, we've got a new HTO place out here in the Dripping Springs. I'm going. <laughs> I do love fruit. So, yes, See? you can convince there me you easily. Go. There you go. Um, Sammy, thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that you're like, if I leave here and don't tell your listeners this, I will lay my head down on my pillow tonight and regret it? Yes. I do have one beautiful story that I love to share. Well, I have many stories, but... <laughs> One in particular, after I went back to having a relationship with Jesus, maybe in about 2017 when college was over, um, I went to a concert. I love worshiping. This was before I thought that I could ever stand on the stage and mm. sign music. And I went to see um, David Crowder, you know, other people who are along there as well. Matthew West was there, I think. And I went with a group of girls and we were all standing and signing the music, and we had an interpreter there, and there was another man sitting up kind of a few rows away, and he saw that we were deaf, and he came up and was trying to talk with the interpreter, and the interpreter was like, no, 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 I'm not, don't, if you want to talk to them, you talk with them, don't ask me the questions, you know, kind of trying to uh, stay in her role of interpreter, and so the guy then came up to us, and he was saying, I would like to pray for your hearing. I would like to pray for you to be healed. And my other friend was like, uh, she was quite aggressive, <laughs> like, hold on. But I felt like the Holy Spirit really touched me during that moment and just said, oh, thank you. But I don't want you to pray for my hearing. Instead, I would love to have you pray for those who cannot hear his word mm. to see clearly about the gospel and to see see that through sign language. So would you please pray for that? Would you take him? And he did pray. And so then we said, thank you for that. And we sat down and that was it. But it was just funny. He was sitting there worshiping while we were standing, worshiping with our hands. And, you know, then you could just see the contrast. He's just sitting. He was not really involved mm. in the worship. And we were all in signing and worshiping with our whole bodies. So it's just a really, I mean, God designed that. He knew. Mm. That's a beautiful story, Sammy. And I think it is a great place to end by acknowledging that so many people would think, well, there's something wrong with you because you're deaf or we need to fix this part of you. And you and your friends standing there proclaiming, God made us this way. We are worshiping him. And it is so, so very beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. You're welcome. Thank you. And I would like to say thank you to Shelly Bergeron for interpreting today. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell, and the show is edited by Jason Talley.
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 